A couple of years ago, I was driving on the highway, not paying attention to my speed, and I was pulled over. And the officer took my license, my registration, and went back to the squad car. So I began to pray. And I <laughs> prayed the memorare, this prayer to Our Lady asking for her intercession and help. And he came back and he gave me a warning. So I praised God, it worked. <laughs> About a year later, same thing happened. I was pulled over again. This doesn't happen a lot to me, but <laughs> it happened a couple of times. I get pulled over again, and same thing. The cop takes my license, my registration, goes back to his car, and I again pray. But it doesn't work. He gives me a ticket. Now, I mean, it's not that big of a deal paying a speeding ticket. I mean, nobody plans on it. Nobody likes it. But I thought of that experience as I read through our gospel today, specifically that line where Christ says, ask and you will receive, seek, and you will find, knock, and the door will be open to you. Because while that's kind of a silly example, we all know someone, or maybe we ourselves, have prayed for something very serious and seemingly not gotten an answer from God. Or our prayers seem to fall on deaf ears, or, or whatever may be the case. So what gives? How do we reconcile that with what Jesus says in our gospel? Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Well, I would say we would want to go back to the beginning of this gospel. And Jesus is teaching the disciples to pray and he gives them the Lord's prayer. The Our Father. And this prayer is a simple yet profound one. Just take the first two words of the prayer, our Father. It tells us our relationship with God is a familial one. God is not a distant, aloof God in relation to us, but in virtue of our baptism, He is our Father. We are His adopted sons and daughters. And then Jesus goes on to give this parable and this lesson essentially telling us we need to go to this Father often and persevere in prayer because His generosity and His goodness has no earthly parallel. That doesn't really answer the difficulty. It just kind of exacerbates it. If this is our relationship with God, if He is our Father, and if His goodness and generosity has no parallel on earth, why does it sometimes seem like He doesn't answer our prayers. And I think this is where looking at the human family as an analogy can be helpful. In the human family, it falls on the parents to set the limits, to set the boundaries, to set the rules. Because in theory, the parents know better what is good for the children and what is not. When we're a toddler, and we want to play with a sharp object because it's shiny, we don't know how harmful it can be. We just are attracted by how shiny this knife might be. But no parent in his or her right mind would let a toddler play with a sharp knife. You know, a teenager may be annoyed and not really get why parents want to have oversight over his or her cell phone. But parents ideally know 
more the dangers the digital world poses than we do when we're teenagers. You know, we are like that toddler or that teenager in terms of eternity. We don't always know what is good or bad for us in view of the spiritual life, in view of our eternal destination. Often what we think of as good is very much centered on this life. We want health and wealth. We want respect and prestige, security, comfort, pleasure. Look, those are all good things. There's nothing inherently wrong with any of them. But any one of those things can be also an obstacle to God. Any one of those things could put our eternal soul in jeopardy. We can't always see that, but God can. He does. He knows all. He sees all. And He is our Heavenly Father who loves us. And because of His goodness, He's not going to give us something that's harmful for our eternal destination. This is kind of abstract. Let me give a really concrete example of what I'm talking about. The conversion of St. Ignatius of Loyola. If you're not familiar with this story, he lived in the late 1400s, early 1500s. And as a young man, he cared little for his faith. He wanted to be a soldier. He wanted the glory of the battlefield. He wanted to live a glamorous life. And he did become something of an accomplished soldier. But one day, he was wounded in battle pretty seriously. He had uh, one leg was broken. The other was pretty badly mangled. This was the 1500s, and medicine, obviously, in the 1500s wasn't what it was today. So he had numerous painful surgeries without really any anesthesia. And for a while, it looked like he wasn't going to make it. But once he began, even once he began to pull through, it was obvious he would never be the same again. He would never have that strength and prowess that he had worked so hard to cultivate. He would never be that dashing soldier he had always wanted to be. And so it was difficult as he began this long and really a lonely recovery. He was in a convent. He was bedridden for several months. And again, this is the 1500s, so he didn't have the distractions that we have. There wasn't a TV. There wasn't a tablet, a cell phone. There were only a handful of books. I think one was a book of the Gospels or the life of Christ, and the other was a book on the lives of the saints. And it's easy to imagine Ignatius in those early days of recovery praying to God, trying to barter with him, make some kind of deal. God, if you heal me, I promise you I will go back to Mass. I will go to Mass every Sunday. If you make me strong again, I will take my faith seriously. I will give to the poor. Just give me back my life. Yet those prayers fell seemingly on deaf ears. Because what Ignatius as a young man saw as the worst possible thing to happen to him was in reality, in view of eternity, the very best. Because it helped him to see that he was made, he was created not for the glory of the battlefield, but for the eternal glory of heaven. And the same is true for us. We will encounter suffering in this life. And if we do, 
we should pray to God about it. Maybe even ask Him to take it away. And prayer is powerful. He may very well do that. But if He doesn't, it's not because He said no. It's not because He's not listening to our prayers. It's because He says, I have something better. I'm giving you the cross to bring you to the resurrection. I'm giving you suffering to mold you into the saint I've created you to be. He is our Father. His goodness and generosity knows no parallel. And we should trust Him. We should trust that He's molding us from someone who says, I want it my way, to Thy will be done. So let's pray for the grace to trust our Heavenly Father. Let's pray for the grace to be able to one day say sincerely and with all our heart, not, I want it my way, but Thy will be done.